episode number 195 with Jason Froelich. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton. And this is Mike. Hello, Mikey. Uh, you brought uh, Jason to uh, to the show. Uh, you met him at um, at your local uh, card room, right? At Oceans? Yep. Right on, right on. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. He, uh, he gave us a review on the podcast, uh, Carlsbad Fish Company. And I read it. <laughs> I guess he got a hold of you, and then he got a hold of me, and then I found out. Oh, the man plays poker and he sells fish. Right. Yes. Yeah, he's uh he's thinking he wants to make the transition to playing poker full time. So you will tell you will tell him what a courageous, great thing that is, and I will tell him to stop immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get the duality of that uh, perspective there, yes. <laughs> you know what? Mike- uh he does love poker for sure. I mean, uh he's he he grinds quite a bit and uh so we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk to him. Yeah, yeah. He he was telling me uh, um, this last week. I think he put in a hundred hours or something. I'm like, wow, that's. I mean, talking about the month in terms of for the month. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow, that's you know, more than a part time job. I think you know, 25 hours a week. That's quite a bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Well, it uh, it's been a while since you and I have been on. Uh, I kind of feel like. when I'm flying into Vegas and just as I get over uh, the ridge there, you know, and you can see the M and you can see the uh, 15 going straight up into the strip. Like I've been on a long vacation and I finally come home. That's kind of how I feel now. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. I thought this was, this was leading into a, uh, a, a joke. Oh, I guess it was, but flat. yeah, Steve Vegas, man. Love Vegas. Well, I might never go to that city ever again. Well, that's not true. There's a kid I know who just bought a house there. So I joked. I said, you're going to have to hold my wallet when I'm there and make sure I play nothing. Like, it hit me in the head if I play any tournaments or if I get in the pits. But um, Who uh, who bought out there? Anyone we know? No one you know, no. Yeah, okay. Okay. Right on. Cool. Well, what um, what have you been doing? You've just been playing a lot of cash. You had any tournaments? Yeah, yeah. What, uh, what are you no, doing? no tournaments. I'm trying to think the last time we talked, Steve, if there's any. I know both of us got some personal stuff. How's your, how's your shoulder going? My shoulder's doing really good. I'm back at work full time. Uh, I've uh, uh, It's doing good. There are times where it's like, oh, man, that kind of hurts. Like we were pulling hose yesterday, and I had the sh- holes I had the hose over my right shoulder and as I was pulling it, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should put this over my left shoulder for, uh, for the next few weeks. <laughs> you know, it's kind of tender, yeah. but as far as strength, we have an annual fitness evaluation that we do every year and I scored, I was stronger on this one since the injury than I was a year prior. So, hmm. okay. um, that's good. So strength is uh, pretty good. There's just some odd motions that, you know, I uh, kind of get it, but, uh, but yeah, it's feeling really good. But, um, how about those, um, no fire, the, the fire, all the massive, ridiculous fire, Steve, in, in Northern California here. I thought maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that was pretty nuts at work for a while. I didn't go on any of the fires, but, uh, I, uh, worked all the way through Thanksgiving. Um, you know, just kind of, uh, stuck at work holding down the fort while the other guys were gone. Um, 
is there, I mean, there's nothing really you can do when it's that, that's that awful. Like if people are screaming, help bring the firemen. And I mean, they're talking about what a unique fire this was. I forget what they said. It's moving at like a half mile every five minutes or right. You know, it was, it was moving at some ridiculous speed and ferocity that was kind of yeah. super rare, I guess is what, what, what the gist of it was, what I gathered. You're right. There really isn't a whole lot that you can, well, how can I word this? It's like, um, there's nothing we're going to do as firemen to stop this thing until the wind dies or, um, you know, it's no longer going uphill or maybe it's flat where it's creeping downhill. Right. Uh, when it's that hot and dry, uh, it just burns immensely fast. So basically what we do as firemen is we look across the mountain and we see groups of homes and we kind of just do a triage and we say, okay, we have five fire engines here and there's probably 40 homes up on this hill. What groups of homes do we honestly have a realistic chance of saving? And you kind of look at the picture as a whole and you see that this group of five or six homes has a boatload of uh, trees and brush and dry grass around it. And this other one has a nice uh, uh, mowed lawn that almost looks like a golf course. And they, the nearest tree is uh, probably 100 feet from the homes. Well, you send one or two engines up to uh, the ones that uh, you, know, you have a chance of savings, saving, and uh, you bypass the ones that really don't have a shot. You know, maybe they're in this draw of a canyon. You're looking at where the fire is, and you know it's going to be there in the next 20 or 30 minutes. It's just not realistic. You're going to waste your time, and you could get your guys killed. You know, so yeah. you pick and choose, and you triage the ones that realistically you can put your fire engine with the hoses in front of and have a chance of saving. And you avoid the ones that, that can't. And, uh, and then you wait for the fire to come through. You wet it down. And then uh, ideally, you want to stick around for a little bit and make sure that there wasn't some little ember that got up into the eaves or maybe up into the attic. And if it did, run in real quick, put it out. Yeah. And then in perfect world, uh, the way this should work is you go on and move on to the next front. So you get on the freeway, you go wherever you got to go to uh, get in front of the next group of homes, do the same thing. And you have another engine come in behind you about 10 or 15 minutes later and make sure there's not some little fire punking around in the attic that is going to, you know, okay. lose those, those homes in that area if it catches, you know? Uh, but yeah, you're um, right. When the winds are that, it, there's really not much. We yeah. Do, do you see that in front of it and try to stop it? And then once the winds die down, now's the time to really get in there and uh, start putting out the line of this thing before the winds pick up again. And, and you're just doing it all over. Did you see the video the one guy took of like his neighborhood right after the aftermath? I think they took it out from YouTube. It was so shocking, but like these cars burned out and you could see the bodies in the cars, which are just like, you know, charcoal. No, I didn't see that one. Um, not a good way to die. No, that would suck. Yeah. Is there, is there such a thing? This is what got me thinking like, a, like a little, you know, they said the bomb shelters. Mm-hmm. some sort of shelter. I mean, if, uh, is the fire so hot it can kind of melt anything? Like you wouldn't want to be, have like a little fire panic room and then all of a sudden like you're trapped in there because it's melted inside, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Um, realistically, can you even uh, just, just leave, you know, just get out of the house. Like uh, a lot of our effort sometimes is convincing people that they should be leaving when we should be like right. fire and it just wastes resources. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, probably, I mean, you know, the time. thing about like jumping in a swimming pool and then you'll be fine. Well, you still have to breathe and the air outside is 400 degrees. 
you know, it's like right. trying to breathe inside of an oven. Uh, it's just not uh, practical. The, the way we'll do it is if we have to, now keep in mind, we do this for a living. So this is a, you know, <laughs> this is what we'll do is, is we'll take shelter inside the house and wait for the fire to pass and then come out and, and put it out. If it's really hairy, that's, you've done something wrong if you're in that scenario, you know? Um, but, um, it, uh, you know, that's, that's what we'll do. You're safer inside the house than out of it. Wait for the front to go and then come out, but you should never be there to begin with. Just, you know, when you hear the evacuation starts packing right. stuff and just get out, it's not worth it. Right. You know, but I, I think this is pay for the damn house. You'll get another one. It'll be extremely inconvenient for probably a year, but at least you're alive, <laughs> you know? Right. But this, I'm just, I, I guess th this fire, there's probably people who've experienced fires up there. This one was just different. So it's like normally they, there was just, there were, people thought they had time or it wasn't it would, like it never come in this direction before. But yeah, I, I guess that's the, that's the, the lesson here is to be just hyper vigilant. The next time someone says fire, just pack up and head out, you know? Yeah. Throw your bag in the trunk and then uh, go to where it's safe. You know, it's not worth it. You just call in sick. Um, you know, it, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it so many times. I mean, I remember one up in Northern California when I was a kid working the fire season. This lady just wouldn't leave her home, and she burned up in her house. Like, she had a car in the driveway. Like, we told her. I don't know what else we could do. And uh, she wanted to stay, and that was it. Were you, um, were you in your fire department clothes when you went to meet her meter or were you oh, yeah we had a fire oh. engine sitting out front okay. <laughs> there's a giant header coming her way and we I said wasn't sure if you just showed up naked at her door and say man you need to come with me it's not safe here <laughs> i was wearing a bathrobe okay <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> steven quagmar B barton yes. um, <laughs> come with me ma'am giddy giddy yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else is, did, well, I can't remember the last time we spoke. Did we talk about, you know, me, the thing you saw it online, me getting uh, hustled or robbed of a thousand dollars? No, what happened here? Wow, this is kind of, this is, uh, yeah, this is kind of the old news, but I'll, I'll quickly We're tell the story. I'm sorry? We're playing catch up. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, you know, I know you for Twitter, you just kind of go on every for 20 minutes every week and just, you know, you're, you're a busy man. So, you know, but I, I was, you know, getting it all online. Anyways, I wanted, um, play ACR and I had money in my PayPal, but not my, um, and I didn't want to use, uh, my bank to deposit. It's just a pain in the ass. They charge like a big rate too, because it's some sort of international transaction, you know? Yeah, for every 500 bucks you put on, you got to pay like 65 or some crap. Right. So I put online, uh, anyone have uh, ACR for PayPal? Mm -hmm. And uh, previously, by the way, I mean, just to defend the, the, the that I'm not entirely stupid, but I, I mean, I am. But like a month or two earlier, I was like looking to sell Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And a guy says, yeah, um, I'll send you PayPal for Bitcoin. And he's like, I'll even send it first. And this guy's Twitter account was weird. There was only like, he followed five people and it was followed by like one. Okay. Right away. That's a warning sign. It is not someone's actually up on Twitter. He jumped on to make a specific transaction or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm already defending. I'm like, well, you know, if he, if he sends me money, that's, that's fine. And um, so I look in PayPal and there's, I finally look closer and he didn't actually send me money. He sent me an invoice. 
uh-huh. where if I pressed whatever button, I send him money. Uh-huh. So to potentially, if I did that one wrong, I would have sent him Bitcoin and he would have taken money out of my PayPal oh, Um. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, that was – so the defend, So then this one guy contacts me on Twitter, and I see he's got 1,000 followers and all this kind of stuff, and he follows 1,000. And I look, and he's got – he's posting about, you know, the NBA and this. So I'm like, okay, this is like a real account. This yeah. is someone. Still, I should look it up or ask him to send the money. I mean, I've got a good reputation. It's not like I need to prove that I'm good on my word here. You know what I mean? Yeah especially since I just posted on Twitter. But anyways, he's like, yeah, I'll help you out. Here's my, my PayPal. So I fired him off a thousand dollars. And then I'm like, he's like, I'm on ACR right now. Okay. Where is it? He's like, it'll just take one sec. And all of a sudden five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by. And kind of right away, I knew he was getting robbed. I'm like, dude, what's going on? And after like 40 minutes, I posted to Twitter. I was like, what's going, who is this guy? I believe I was just scammed. And everyone says, oh, he's, a, he's just a known scammer. He's always changing his ACR accounts. He's always changing Twitter accounts. He's, still, he's robbed from many people. Oh, shit. And um, so he kind of hides his any online, but I, he is, we do know his, his name, uh, Brian Wojtek, V-O-Y-T-E-C-T-E-K, T-E-K, if anyone wants to look at his fucking ugly mug. V-O-Y-T-E-K? Because, yeah, because um, – so that's his real true name. That's not like his. Uh, well, the, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. that's big, well. That's the name I sent to on PayPal. That he kind of got a. There's only so he uses his real name there because he has that. You know, he's got PayPal hooked up directly to his bank. He's got to you know come up with some real account. Um, and then if you look up Voitech, you'll see a bunch of people talking about he's a scammer on Twitter and like calling him out directly. And um, it's amazing how much information you get on people in the in the uh, on the internet. Yeah. Some guy gave me this program and he looked myself up and it had like my last five phone numbers, my last six addresses and all this. I mean, basically like where you're living, anybody could, you know, kind of freaky, but you know, with him, it's kind of funny. One buddy of mine was even more outraged than I was. I was like, Oh, you know, this is a lesson. I'm just embarrassed. Cause a few people directly said that on Twitter. There's like, dude, this guy, you try to scam me. How do you, you know, how do you not fucking see this coming? But, um, I'm trustworthy, Steve. Like I kind of felt a little, a little something in the back of my head. Like maybe I should ask him who he is, this and that. And I'm like, no, no, don't be such a cynic. <laughs> I'm always told about my cynicism here. I'm like, okay, somebody's helping me. Let's. So, but uh, anyways, I'm up right now, where's this guy from? California. Yeah, that's the funny thing. He's nearby. I actually did ask a couple local players, and one of them was like, I think I recognize him. Supposedly plays at either Pachanga or Lake Elsinore, but he might have just. Uh, yeah, he's obviously a shit poker. I found, on two plus two poker forum, I saw he was looking for for staking like years ago. I'm sure he's just a loser. Uh, scum, obviously, he's a scumbag, but he's a you know a, probably a degenerate gambler who needs probably. hustling people because this is the only way he can survive. And he's what a fucking ass. But um, yeah. Well, anyways, I have a buddy who like called him up, left a message. Oh and really? He's got, got his phone number. <laughs> yeah, easy got the. I didn't call, but this guy's like you and your fucking fat girlfriend. I guess he's got. I guess his girlfriend's been arrested for like similar kind of scams. Um, better get him his money. And then the funny thing, I was twi- I was I was twitching that night, mm-hmm. and some guy he says, "I'm the guy who who scammed you, but buddy left lots of laugh, lots of laugh." And I think uh, I eventually blocked him because this guy was such a troll. I was just like, "Oh, come," you know, I wasn't sure it was him, but I kind of think it was. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I debated uh, your post here on uh, um, two plus two. I did. Yeah, I did that too. And there's another guy on there who said he'd been scammed by him. And this guy says he's going after him with the police. So I'm kind of. I called the police first of all. There's nothing. They said call the FBI. We don't really do with all the cyber shit. We're not. We are not qualified for that. Okay. So anytime you're scammed with scammed online or whatever, I guess that's who you go to your local FBI. So I got on the FBI website and I, um, I started filling out a form and a story and, you know, putting like links to my Twitter and putting screenshots of my, you know, uh, discussions with this guy. Of course he blocked me on Twitter once I called him out. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. I started filling out the FBI form and I'm like, geez, you know, this is one of those things. I'm like, I deserve to get punished. Well, it's also like, how many hours are you going to have to invest and still probably not get your money back? And Right. Is it worth it? Um, yeah. Somebody, like, it, it kind of pissed me off. The whole Everybody knew this guy's a sc- scammer, and somehow he's still out there. But you can kill – because everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is a f- account for scam. I'm like, why is, it, why is this not just public knowledge? Yeah. So, like, I feel like, you know, take one for the team. Someone from the poker community needs to step up and uh, go after the guy. But, uh, I mean, there's just, I don't know, this kind of shit kind of happens more frequently. A lot of times you're, of course, dealing outside the law. Technically, we didn't have a contract. I mean, it has to be illegal. Send me a 1000 I'll send you a 1000 Yeah. Um, Got to be some law. But there's different, uh, I got one buddy who lent um, some chick $4,000. I mean, she had a good skill. She was talking about how she's a movie producer, this or that. And she was playing big at the table. You know, so she's good action. She was down probably ten or twelve thousand, but just you know, she was probably down to her last dollar. Another degenerate who just plays, even if they're down to you know, their last five thousand dollars, they're going to put it all on a table at once. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this guy had never been this. He's smart. He's nobody's ever gotten the best of him, and uh, he gave her four thousand. And the next day, um, he couldn't get her on her telephone. He was blocked. Wow. And she has been seen in L.A. playing poker. This happened down in here in San Diego. Wow. And um, I guess somebody else went up and said, uh, you know, you owe my, my buddy money. She's like, what are you, she's like, what are you talking about? I don't owe anybody money. And um, so sometimes you always run into people this where you've, you've lent them money, they've scammed you, and they're there the next day. Wow. It's not like they're hiding and running for the hills. So this guy, I guess the high rollers in my casino, the guys who play 1025, I guess there's some guy who – he was a big loser. So they wanted to keep him in the game, lending him money and he'd pay him back. And, you know, long-term at some point, these guys are always going to, these losers are always going to kind of leave you hanging the ball or whatever. But um, he hanging the ball. What is the expression there? I don't even know. Uh, So this other guy supposedly owes these guys like 30 or 40,000. And he was kind of incognito. They didn't see him for a while, but then somebody, one of them ran into him at uh, commerce. He, he and he just said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very sorry. I'm gonna, you know, try to take care of that." Yeah. This is the kind of people you deal with, Steve. Yeah. It. Uh, well. So you sold. You gave him Bitcoin to throw on there, or you gave? Him I gave PayPal? him PayPal. PayPal. I sent PayPal to his directly to you know that's a, to Brian Wojtek, and he didn't was supposed to send me ACR, and he did not. All right. Well, if anyone runs into this uh, Yahoo, then you know not to trust him. <laughs> Don't let him deal. Jesus. Yeah. I, mean, I can't I, believe it. So with, with the it's got to be drugs. 
people don't do this behavior unless they're you know. No, well, Steve, I don't know if you've ever met it with someone with a hardcore gambling addiction. I mean, like I said, I was in GA, and I was the only one who had not been to jail or had wow. major – like the one group that I was consistently going to, there was like seven or eight of us. Um, all of them have like stolen from – stolen and dealt with the – yeah, they, you, you eventually turned like to – It's behavior, but it's just a different – You eventually turn to crime. You, you've got – you've declared – you you borrowed money from every family member who at some point will not speak to you again because yeah. they know you because essentially you're a criminal. Uh, you, there's every credit card you've done everything you've, you know, you're not good, good looking enough to be a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. There's one guy who, um, his, his parents had a nice business and he destroyed it. You know, he was kind of taken over and lost every dollar and eventually, um, was stealing from their clients and he went to prison for a while. And uh, another guy, yeah, stole from his business partner. A lot of there's a lot of that stuff. One guy actually kicked open his mother's door, smashed, broke into the house, like stole her checkbook. I don't know if that's what he went to jail for. But everybody had some like at least major legal entanglements. But uh, there's a lot of guys who went to jail. So yeah, no, it'll lead you down the same path. To okay. I think drugs is a little, maybe a little worse. You, you you'll get got you need it like immediately within the next nine seconds, and you yeah. will slit someone's throat. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably. Um, yeah, there's there's always on one of these forensic file kind of. There's been a couple of those ones. It was like so and so had acquired a large gambling debt, and but had and at the same time it was a lot of life insurance with his on his on his wife. You know, so there's yeah. there's a few um, gambling ones. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's drugs either. But either way, uh, I, I guess he's he's got it down to an art form how to scam people. And somebody was even telling me like on Twitter. He will have one account which will say, you know, I'm willing to uh, sell ACR here for looking to sell ACR. And then he'll have another account on Twitter saying, I've dealt with this man many times. He's very trustworthy. Hmm. So you'll, you'll have a one account where you'll vouch for the guy and one, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, yeah. You, you, just, you just feel violated. It just is terrible. You do. Yeah. Back to poker. Uh, that's my best ever month, Steve. I'm going through right now. Nice. How are we doing? Um, just in time. Every time I'm ready to kill myself, I make $300 and decide I'll hold on for a little longer. <laughs> How many hours have you done this month? A lot of hours. Uh, 235 hours so far. Wow. That's so, impressive. Yeah. It's, it's kind of too much. Um, I don't mind... I don't mind it, Steve. This is why I want to become a poker player. I like playing. Although at a certain point, your body starts like last. Normally, my back starts to hurt at like eight or ten hours into a session. Mm. And last night, I was there for like four hours, and it was a struggle. What? Uh, how much have you made this month? Big money, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting the punchline to be like eleven hundred dollars or something, but. Uh... No, just me. No, I like like I'm up like thirty two thousand this month. Wow, that's impressive. It, it's more. Cash. It's uh, other people are astounded. I mean, this is as much money as you can make there. Yeah, all cash. Wow. Um, yeah, more than more, pretty much more money than I've made the rest of the year. Or <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like just unprecedented. Um, yeah, there was the, well, there's one guy that cha is a game changer there. Not just for how he plays, but he comes in and like. He just wants to, he's down like within, he, he just likes to gamble. He, he's worth millions yeah. and millions and millions. And, um, 
every few months he comes in ocean or, you know, maybe two or three times a year. And I, I did pretty well off him, but it's just like typical. Uh, we'll play. He wants the games to be bigger. So we would adjust and play five, five at some point. But like at one point at five, five, he had it up to, um, he, he was in the game for $50,000. Wow. And uh, cashed out though for like, you know, for 37 or something. I mean, th- this was a unique night. I, you know, normally he would play five, five and he's, he's, he's great action. And this night just decided to, so because I'm so poor, Steve, and poker really has gone pretty badly for me other than this month, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how to approach these situations. Yeah. Some of these guys with a big bankroll are going to sit there and play every dollar with them. And if they're, if they think they're a great pro, they don't mind playing $20,000 effective, you know, 2000 big blinds, but a, I'm not that great. And B, I just really needed money. So there's a lot of nights he played there like six or seven nights. And I think my average win was probably 3000, 2,500. But a lot of time it would be getting up one, one night I did, I did take it in the ass big, big time, which is you just going to happen. He's actually good at poker. He just likes to gamble. Okay. We'll have it up to 10,000 and be playing well. And then somebody will shove, somebody will shove and he'll call. He called once with nine, four off for like $1,400. And wow. So he just loves poker and like, but uh, you know, we might not see him for another eight months. So he's, <laughs> it's so this month is just, you can't really duplicate. Um, just, yeah. Like every, yeah. Last night I went in there and in an 800 cap game, I immediately, uh, Gave away a buy-in and even some more. I was in the game for nineteen hundred, but it, you know it didn't even matter. I cashed out for like thirty-seven hundred or something. That's good. So, uh, yeah, enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts. Like I said, this is uh, because of goddamn Bitcoin, Steve. I still have. I've had, I guess, a decent year of poker, but um, because of my life expenses and uh, well, poker tournaments too, and Bitcoin and all that jazz, I'm still. Did you sell all of your Bitcoin? You have no crypto right now. I have no. I just, I just had to get out. I'd love to, I told myself if it gets down, like down to 2000 bucks, I'm, I'm obligated to get online and grind a little more. Um, it, uh, I've got to win, try to win some Bitcoin there, but I'm kind of, I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm emotionally not having to deal with this right now, I guess is, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I've, I've gotten to the point now with, uh, day trading where, um, I think I'm ready to start doing real money because, I've had three sessions so far where I haven't made um, a misclick. I haven't accidentally bought the wrong one or like I've, I've kind of got a system down now where I'm not misclicking anymore. And well, I say not anymore. I've probably done tr- 12 trades without a misclick, which is like three days worth. Um, but um, I've got about 3K right now in all the crypto altcoin everything. I'm thinking about just cashing that out, moving that over to uh, day trading and just doing that. The the thing that keeps me from doing it is like the pattern of it going up around this time of the year. Yeah, the the issue is all that altcoin it's like when okay, when Bitcoin like makes a return, which it will, like isn't there just going to be a whole bunch of new altcoins with better technology and all this shit's going to be crap? I don't know. Um, so that's what, know. like, some of them, like, um, yeah, I, I don't know, Steve. I, I'm, I'm just glad I'm out. I'm out. So I'm not going to say somebody was using like an economic term. This one guy is like, well, those all coins have gone down so much. Nine, some of them from their height, like ninety seven, ninety eight percent. He's like, it's a sunken cost. At that point, rather than t- saving one percent, 
it's it's like worth just to leave it in there and gamble and you know hope it goes up again. But um, yeah, I mean, if you've got the day trading thing down, it's I guess that is is kind of silly. I'm still not sold on the day trading thing. I think there's compu- there's a lot of computers doing that that are smarter than you, Steve. But we'll you believe in this guy. There's people who I'm sure there's people who actually do make money on it. I don't know. Those might be people though. It might be one of those things you can't do it unless you're doing it full time, properly. You've got to be in front of your. You got to be in front of your computer twenty four seven. I found that the best time to do it is at least in California time is about uh, seven thirty in the morning until about eleven thirty or noon. So like four and a half hours ish, something like that. Um, if you start doing it beyond 1130, like if you don't have your last trade in by 1130, the market's so volatile that last hour and a half that like I, I, I wouldn't know how to make money there. Um, but during that time, about an hour after the market opens until about an hour and a half before it closes, that's the most predictable. It's the slowest moving. And that's where you can get your trades. On a slow day, you may get one trade or maybe only zero, which is frustrating as hell when it's just a sideways day and it's not really going up, it's not going down, and it's not going up or down enough to make a profit. Um, so you just feel like you just folded every hand in a tournament and got blinded out. Um, but then other days when it's going way up or it's going way down, an up day or a down day, those are the days where it's exciting. But out of five days, you probably get one or two of those. And so, so in a day like that, you might get four trades. So what's the, what's the rake are you paying basically on, on Like is every transaction basically you're paying 2% rake? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, about, it's about, it's playing blackjack, but you know, you're. $2.68 $2. per trade, regardless of the size of the trade. So that's what's cool about it is each trade is just a small cost. And as you get more and more of a bankroll and you can start, you know, 1% of your bankroll for the bet is a bigger amount of money. Uh, the, the rake is, is it's like sitting at a, uh, at a cash game table. The rake is only a certain amount. Um, and you'll well, never- the rake's going to be hard to beat for you with a 3000 other bankroll at first. You're going to be paying if you're doing 1%, if you're doing 30 bucks for every, you know, trade, then, you know, 268. Um, I think I'm going to start with a 5k bankroll. And I asked uh, Randall about this, my uh, instructor, and he said that uh, for newbies, he likes to give them a 2%, um, uh, do 2% per trade instead of the ideal one. He's only doing half of a percent because he's got a few hundred K. But um, he said, just do 2%. He said, your risk of ruin is going to be less than 10%. And he said, if you do lose five grand and that happens one out of 10 times, is that really going to ruin your day? And I'm like, no, not really. He's like, okay, that's fine then. Um, so one percent, your risk of ruin is around. I think he said two or th- maybe it's like one and a half, two, something like that. Uh, but um, for two percent, I can do that. So it'll be a hundred bucks a trade, and then basically grow the roll from there. And um, yeah, I would like to get into swing trading too, which is kind of neat. It's basically getting a trade now, kind of looking at the same graphs I'm doing now, but instead of doing it in a 45 minute period, now you're doing it in like a one week, two week or three week period. So right now the graphs that I'm looking at are in one minute intervals, two minute intervals, and five minute intervals. Instead shift that over and go like one hour, one day and one week and make those same kind of bets, but it's going to be a longer term one. Gotcha. Um, so this guy you paid $5,000 to is, will be accessible in the future here. If you have questions. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that's part of the deal. Exactly. Yeah. Follow okay. Well, maybe that's worth it for just a weekend of tutorials. It seems crazy, but if he's also offering some mentorship uh, moving forward, maybe that was a decent investment. I think so. It's, it's, it's a fun game. It, uh, I'm excited to be able to start to do it with real money and I don't have the fear anymore that I'm going to click the wrong fucking button and accidentally place a bet that I think the market's going down when I really believe it's going up. And then, you know, you just hemorrhage money that way. It, uh, it, would, well, it would be no different than playing poker and, and thinking you're clicking the fold button, but you actually accidentally raise with, you know, nine, four off suit or something it's like, you know, it's the same thing, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure I got the buttons down now. So I'm excited to do this. And on top of that, Monday through Thursday seems to be the best day. Fridays are a little bit more volatile. So, I anticipate this as being, I'm going to trade Monday through Thursday, the days that I'm not at the fire station from 7.30 in the morning until, um, until about 11 o'clock or noon, something like that. And that'll be it. You know, so some weeks I may be able to put in, um, you know, 20 hours, others, maybe only four, but, uh, I think it will be a neat little side job that, uh, basically professional gambling. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I'd be curious. Well, it depends. There's people who work harder at it and are more knowledgeable. I guess it's the same thing as poker. I'm just, I was trying to think of the poker analogy. What percentage of people stepping in a card room are good enough to make a living doing it? I was going to say three or 4%. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe 10 or 15 are maybe winning players a little bit, but they're not good enough to make a living wage or certainly what I need kind of thing. Uh, 15 I mean, would be a little high. 10 sounds probably accurate. The people who are actually, yeah. I mean, just again, with the rake, um, yeah. you could be a, a winning player and be breaking even as we've you know gone through this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know with poker what it, what it is, but it, it, so yeah, I don't know if this is a good analogy, but uh, yeah, the number of you, I would think you have to be really good. Obviously if you want to match your income now, whatever it is, if you want to make a hundred thousand dollars or more doing this, um, you're going to have to get your bankroll up. Yeah. Um, yeah what else? I'm, it's been fun. I'm debating whether to bring this up, Steve. I, th- I, I don't know other than Jason. Um, Jason is so excited for this, by the way. I'm sure you probably got that talking to him. Well, um, anyways, Jason we got Jason. Is, uh, we got Jason here. He is chomping at the bit. We'll be take a quick break and we'll be in with our guest, Jason Froelich. I want to take a second and thank our sponsors, Elliot Rowe. Get his seven-minute tilt buster. Click on the link in the show notes. It'll take you straight there. Put it right on your phone. Listen to it before you play. Just try it. I, Unless you're the type of person that just instinctively has godlike focus at the poker table and you can think of nothing else, then maybe this isn't for you. But if you're like the rest of the population and you want to be able to sit down at the table and think only about the cards in front of you, the players, everything else is in black and white, this is what you have to do to do it. Listen to one of his MP3s. When you get one of his uh, ones for either tournaments or cash, whatever your game is, use the code HUPOKER. You'll score yourself a little discount. And, uh, you know, don't pay full price. Get the discount. They work. I also want to thank those of you that have bookmarked us on Amazon. And uh, thank you. It's working. Um, Just uh, click on the link at headsuppoker.poker. Uh, create a little bookmark in your computer, and then whenever you buy something from Amazon, just click on that first, and a small percentage of your 
uh, Christmas purchases. Have you done your shopping yet? Uh, we'll uh, get kicked back to the podcast. So thank you guys for using those. And if you haven't signed up yet on that, uh, if you could, we'd appreciate it. It's just way to get back to the show. And at the end of the year, as you guys know, this all goes to a charity. So it's going to a good cause. And I also want to give a shout-out to Jacques. Jacques is new to the show, so everyone give him a round of applause. Yes, thank you for listening, Jacques. I met him out in New Orleans uh, randomly, and the next thing I knew, we talked about poker for probably half an hour, 45 minutes. So (laughs) welcome to the show, Jacques. Thank you for listening. Okay, without further ado, Jason Froelich. All right. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I'm a really big fan. Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you for coming on. That was uh, pretty cool. It was neat that uh, you wrote a uh, review. I read about it, and next thing you know, you're on the show. So if you guys want to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you want, who knows? Maybe you'll end up a guest. <laughs> so thanks for uh, thanks for the kind words, Jason. Can we, can we get like at least another thirty seconds of ass kissing, Steve? Just to, just to feel good. Okay, let me see if I can round it out to <laughs> a full. Minute. You're a big fan of the podcast. How how have we enriched your life, sir? So I'm, just, uh, well, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I just enjoy listening. I, I actually uh, only started listening maybe a month ago, but I've already uh, listened to the first 25 and the last 25 episodes, and you know, I just I really enjoy it. Nice. There's some damn good content in between, sir. I told Steve, well, we both know like you're excited for this, and I, I have asked you, I don't know, irrationally or not, that not to talk about it at the casino. Um, I don't, how many people, do you have any idea how many people at that casino listen to this? Are, are you the only one? I mean, I don't even know. Um, well, I, it, it, it I is don't. Steve's podcast, not mine, really. So people might not, they might listen right. to it, know that I've been on there, you know. No, I, I don't know anybody who does in okay. particular, but I mean, I've noticed that you wear the hat occasionally. So right. I, yeah. people must get interested and, and maybe look it up online and see if it has oh. anything to do with you. Well, I haven't thought about that before. Yeah. Right on. Thank you for the advertisement, Mikey. <laughs> Somebody once asked me about it, and I'm like, oh, my buddy has a has a, has a poker podcast. So like, <laughs> you don't even mention you're on the show. No, I said it's in there like, oh, what? and I just, uh, yeah, just the one time I had a conversation. I'm like, well, it's not really. It's really just guys, guys bullshitting and talking about their life. It's not like there's any poker strategy or anything. I think, well, yeah. I actually found it. Um, I, was, I was actually looking up your Hendon Mob, and I Googled, and uh, and I noticed your name was attached to one of the podcasts, and that's how I started listening. Oh, okay. Well, cool. if it gets out there, uh, Jason, I just gave also a, we did me and Steve just a confession of of ambushing a woman in the bar there and telling her I loved her and like you know my God, I hope nobody from the casino listens to this. So, you, I, I will give you some intimate details that I've left out here. That's even it's even more embarrassing than I told Steve. But uh, yeah, oh, go on. So I, I, I'm just uh, <laughs> <not necessary. laughs> so Jason. You, it's not like uh, you've played. Well, just tell us when you. Um, well, Steve's actually interested in the fish stuff. So, what, tell us about what you do for a living. Yeah, sure. I'll start out with that. I, uh, I've been selling seafood at farmers markets for twenty years since I was twelve years old. And, okay. Um, it's it's just a passion of mine. I'm I'm really interested in fish, and I love cooking it. I love selling it. And the company that I work for uh, goes to farmers markets all the way up and down the coast, all the way up to Thousand Oaks in Los Angeles in your neck of the woods. Okay. And all the way down to San Diego, which is where I sell the product. And so what do you do? You work for the big company. Do you get them in from local fishermen or how do you sell everything from shrimp to uh, fish? Or yeah, shrimp to fish. fish. And we, 
Or we've got a guy who goes to the port of San Pedro in Los Angeles every morning, and as the boats are offloading their product, uh, he selects the whole fish that he thinks look the best and uh, takes them back to our shop. We've got two fillet guys at the shop that that uh, carve up the fish and package it, and we've got about eight salesmen, myself included, uh, that drive it to various farmers markets and and sell retail. Hmm. That's cool. That's cool. What yeah, uh, what's your, what's your favorite kind of fish? Uh, it's <laughs> a difficult question, but I would have to say salmon is my favorite. It's it's a fan favorite. Everybody seems to like salmon. Okay. Um, okay. And Jason's it's all ocean fish. Uh, it's not about- the trout or anything. Yeah, well, salmon is kind of similar to trout. They have a, a similar flavor. Actually, uh, there's steelhead trout, which is like a trout that travels out into the ocean like salmon. Yeah. So, Do you eat tilapia? Uh, no, I don't usually eat tilapia, and that's mainly because the majority of tilapia is farmed. And yeah. coming from places like China and Indonesia and the Philippines where they farm it without that high of standards... Okay. Um, yeah, I've heard that it's like a fish that we uh, invented is the wrong word, but I guess kind of made. Is that, yeah, is that right? Or I is mean, it there's like, genetically yeah. modified versions of tilapia? That's for sure. I mean, there's wild tilapia also, but it's just very hard to come by and probably very expensive too. Okay. Okay. And I've heard these farms that they keep them in. This is why I'm asking it, and you're kind of confirming it. These farms that they keep them in, they're basically living in their own poo and just horrible water. And then they yeah, no, that's true. Not to not to disgust anybody, but yeah, and that's typically you know third world countries where they don't monitor the the health of the fish and they stack the fish as many as they can in a pond that's stagnant water. And then they end up eating their own crap, basically. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I quit eating tilapia years ago after I heard that, but I'm glad to know that uh, uh, that. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay, cool. Jason's also a troll. Where'd you just take a vacation to? Steve, Steve's been everywhere. I'm curious if Steve's, well, I, Steve's not really a big fan of Europe. He likes more tropical settings, but um, Jason. Yeah, I'm, I'm a typically a tropical guy too. Um, I've been to Hawaii a couple of times and Jamaica, but this time my wife and I went to Italy, mm. which isn't particularly tropical, but it, there are a lot of coastal areas, of course. And uh, for me, it was like being in heaven because Italy is known for seafood. So, yeah. you know, we cruised around the entire country, traversed the, the whole countryside and, and went to a lot of different coastal areas and had wine. And the, the funny thing about Italy is uh, they charge you for water over there at the restaurants. So, you know, after walking around for eight or nine miles every day, you get pretty thirsty. And when you go to the restaurant, it's like $3 for a glass of water. Wow. <laughs> so that was eye-opening for me. And then it's also $3 for a glass of wine. So it's like we had a lot of incentive to, to just drink wine. And I hear it's, only, it's only four bucks for a hand job, though. So you can like sell, you know, save money elsewhere, right? Yeah, that's true. That's One true. One of third glasses of water of gets you an HJ and you're good to go. <laughs> so I haven't talked that much poker with Jason, but this is what's the problem with poker, Steve. Here's a guy who's got a good job, who makes money, who could – I, I, I don't, we'll, we'll get into that, your profitability or your losses. But I think some guy who probably started off was like someone who's a smart guy, but someone who'd lose, you know, who's action and lo- who overall was a loser, but maybe, uh, or a slight loser. Um, and then, you know, you wanted to get better at poker. 
and now you are, and now you want to be a poker pro, and there's somebody fucking else at this casino that I can make no money off who's actually going to be taking my money. Well, I think heads was up. It, it was this kind of, you know, I'm, I'm at, this isn't really an actual, no, but it, this is kind of, it, it is sort of funny though, that there's, there's always somebody there getting better at the casino. And now you really, um, you've had like pro type results recently, right? I mean, you're making money there. I have this, this month especially has been my, my greatest month to date and the, the most hours that I've played in a month. Also, I'm shooting for that a uh, hundred hour rake back promotion that, that our local card room's giving us, and I'm one hour away, so nice. Nice. That today, I've already done 200 hours there, so I, you know, I already got, I already got a thousand from the rake back, which is good, obviously. Jeez. Yeah, you you must stay pretty late. I usually go home and uh, hang out with the wife around 10 o'clock at the latest. You, you're there pretty late, I think. Yeah, this month my average day is um, 7 a.m. to uh, you know. 3 a.m. to I mean, there's been days where I've it's been 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. to 11 a.m. the next day. Wow, the, game, the games have been you know good, but a lot yeah, too much poker really. No, but um, I, am I right about you? Like you know, it wasn't that long ago that you were a losing player and then you really committed to it, and now you're even thinking taking another step. Is that yeah? A, like and, like just when did when did you start playing? Sure. Well, actually, it's kind of an interesting story. I of course, started playing uh, during the Chris Moneymaker boom. But a childhood friend of mine and I were really into Magic the Gathering, which is kind of a gateway game to poker, as it turns out. A lot of people that play poker used to play Magic the Gathering card yes. games. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, eventually our love for skilled card games evolved into poker. And uh, funny story, we were uh, at a card room underage, and my friend hit the uh, the big end of a bad beat jackpot. Mm. And he wasn't sure what he was going to do. His brother was a poker player of age. And so he gave the floor man his brother's name um, and, and said that he didn't have his ID card with him, had to go home and grab it and come back. And he ended up getting the money from the bad beat jackpot. And that kind of really sparked our interest in poker. A pet. That was... Uh, <laughs> That's that awesome. Back, yeah, it's pretty cool. That was back in 2005. And uh, what was he? I'll be curious what his his mental state with, with that fake ID heading racing back towards the casino. Like, this oh my is, God, like, can I get arrested for this? Will I just fail? How did I? You know, this is fucking bullshit. If I don't get my money, da, da, da. <laughs> this is a very sly guy. He uh, is very smooth. He was, uh, you know, everybody kind of loved him in high school and middle school. He's, he's just kind of, you know, nothing nothing wrong happens to this guy. He's used to getting what he wants. Yeah, he, yep. was, he was confident. He was... Yeah, very okay. confident. And it, uh, it turns out a year later, his brother won a WSOP bracelet for $750,000. Wow. That's so nice. That family is... They, they're built for poker, and that's kind of how I got interested. I've been friends with this guy for a long time. And uh, so I started playing casually. And in 2008, I, I actually banked a pretty big online tournament, uh, $100 buy-in with 400 people. So it ended up being like $10,000 for first place. Nice. Okay. What site was this? Uh, this was on Party Poker. Party Poker. Oh, yes. I love yeah, that. So this was before Black Friday, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and from then, I got a little bit more serious, but I was still kind of just a, a button clicker. You know, I didn't really know a whole lot about strategy. And then only in the last two years or so, um, 
I, I've gotten really serious about it. And I even signed up for a membership with Upswing Poker, which has helped me out tremendously. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've really upped my hours at the local card room. I haven't been playing online much, but uh, yeah. I, and I play tournaments. I go out to Vegas three or four times a year uh, for the Win Summer Classic and the World Series of Poker. And uh, that's where I'm at now. So where, where were you? I, don't, I, I gave a narrative of you, which, which I, I didn't know if it was true or not. But like two years ago, were you like a slightly losing? And last year you were slightly winning and now you're just because of upswing poker or just absorbing poker material? Are you now? Yeah. Have your results drastically changed in the last couple of years? I'm, yeah, they have drastically changed. And the problem for me is I didn't really ever keep track of my results in the past. Only in the last couple of years have I really kept track, but I would say I was a break even player or maybe losing at a very small clip uh, before. And in this last year, I'm making about $20 an hour at, between two five and five five, which for me is great. Sure, cool, cool. So, what do you now that you've become a winning player and you look back at what you did two years ago? What do you what do you think the biggest difference is? Oh, I think uh, well, for me it was my pre flop game, and I was just you know playing probably way too many hands, um, and I've curtailed that and really sort of settled into pre-flop ranges and figuring out, you know, based on where I am at the table, what position, uh, what hands I should be opening and what hands I should be three betting, et cetera. Right. Yep. That's what I, yeah. I think the last time we played, like you, you like folded for like a long time and I was like, and then you just picked up and, uh, you know, probably left down, down a little bit and not, not really giving a shit was my sense. Yeah, no, I'm like, I, I think hey, I'm like I'm like this is a poker pro because this this is what what it is like forty percent of the time you go in there, you're not on the right side of variance getting cards and you're trying to you know steal some pots and win a little bit or just not take it in the ass. Like, yeah, no, you're completely right. I think uh, patience is a big part of the game and that's something that I didn't used to have and it's something that I found I can kind of control a little bit better now. Yeah. yeah, I still get, I just get bored and like to play hands too, though. So me and you have like, as much as I know certain hands are not supposed to be opening hands or three betting hands. Um, yeah, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to stick to those ranges if you're just getting shit cards. Yeah, of course. That may be why your variance is so high, Mikey. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know, Steve, you know, I've, I've done pretty good this year. I've got a, a 11 of 12 winning months or 10 of 11, I guess. That's pretty damn good, yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, there. But yeah, I I sometimes can. There's days where probably a top pro breaks even or wins a little bit, where I I lose fifteen hundred just because I'm taking a few high variance spots. Yeah. Although I'm justifying some gambling early, I don't know if Jason because Jason can re- he's one of those guys can really build up a stack like fast. Like you see Jason at the table, and all of a sudden he's got twenty five hundred. And I don't know if you do this consciously or if other people, but I was listening to this one poker pro talk and he liked the idea of gambling early in sessions hmm. or taking a high, willing to take high variance spots. Actually, you know, he actually, he said gambling just because you want to, you want to, if you're, you're starting with 150 big blinds, you want to have chips to cover any other poor mediocre players who've chipped up. That's where the money is stacking someone. Yeah, that's a good point. And and you also want to set a table image that, you know, might be more loose than your actual style. So you can right. get at the beginning and make it look like you're a, a spazzy player and, you know, then a, a new player who might think that you are and you make that 
you know, hero call at the end or something. Although yeah. I got, I got really nervous here. Um, talking about we were bankroll management or some of the, not really nervous, but you j- played the big game. Did you've done that more than once? You played the ten twenty five game, which is the which is uncapped, and I'd say the average player at the table has about fifteen thousand in front of them. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of an interesting story. I was thinking about that before coming on here. Um, I had had a tough session the night before in five five, and I think I texted you about that, Mike. And I woke up the next day and I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a shot here. And if I if I blow my load and, and don't win, then I'm going to go back down to 2-3 and, and build my bankroll back up. And uh, if I do well, I'm going to pick up and leave and not come back to that game for a while. And I don't know what happened, but I, I didn't have to bluff once in the game. I got hit in the face with really good cards. And, uh, well, truthfully, I had quad tens and I got paid off by the nut flush. And oh, God. Wow. that settled that day for me. So that was really nice. So, but you haven't been back. So this was like a one-time thing. You're like, I just, okay, my bankroll is back where I want it to be. Like, yeah, right? exactly. I, you know, I, under the idea that you got to take a shot every once in a while, um, you know, otherwise you can well, just be spinning your wheels forever and ever. Yep. Uh, so I, you know, I took the shot and it just happened to be my day. I don't know. What well, is there? Is there a five ten there that you could have gone to instead of from going from five five? Not really. Uh, sometimes late at night, the five five game sort of evolves into a five five ten with a straddle. The, okay. the straddle is the ten, but uh, there isn't really a, a strict five ten game. Even though Mike and I played in a five ten game last week, uh, when one of the juicier players came into the card room. Okay. If okay. you remember that. Yeah, of course. Um, what was I going to say? Did you? Did you can you? You, you're probably good enough now where you can recognize if you're dealing with like 1025. I mean, did you sense right away? It was a little different. Like these are some top pros. I better fucking play good and not do anything stupid. I mean, were you, were you yeah. on the defensive kind of in a certain level? Of course I, I was playing with scared money and actually my, my strategy going into the game was I'm going to sit here for three or four rounds of blinds. And if I don't get any good hands, I'm just going to pick up and, and then, you know, maybe I've lost a couple hundred dollars, which is no big deal. Uh, but I just started getting hands right from the get go. And, and so didn't really have to worry about it too much. Nice. Um, did you tell your wife how much, that you had a big day and won a lot of money? Oh yeah, of course. She was excited. Well, you're, not, uh, you're, not, you're not a real poker player. If you see, if, I mean, Jason, I'm sorry. <laughs> just stop playing. If you're not, if you're not lying to people and then hiding money under the couch, come on, you're missing half the fun, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I try to keep it real with my wife. She uh, she allows me to go and play whenever I want, which is a pretty big privilege, I think, for me. And so, you're uh, you're keeping track of your results. Is she interested in that? I mean, is, is this a little exciting for her? The seeing that you're one? Well, my God, you know. I don't know that it's exciting per se, but uh, you know, I, I I do keep track of the results, and she's happy when I win, and she's pretty upset when I lose. But right. I think that's that's fair for any wife. Um. Anytime, sorry, Steve, you didn't come me off anytime, but I was just, you know, Steve a few years ago, you know, Steve's got a great job, kind of like you got, Jason, which he enjoys too, which is an important factor. But Steve is always kind of restless. And a few years ago, he was talking about moving to South America so we could play party poker or whatever and be a poker pro. And I jumped in and did the right thing and told him not to. I said, Steve. <laughs> Completely dashed that dream right off. I the said, back. Steve, well, the first problem is, Steve, you suck. And <laughs> I, I forget, I forget, I, I forget what other arguments I used on his behalf. 
but I'm just, uh, is your, I don't know if you brought, you said you kind of want to be a full-time pro. Have you brought that up first of all to the wife? Is she? Um, well, actually I don't want to be a full-time pro. I, I don't have any intention of leaving my job. But oh, okay. I thought that was something that was kind of on your mind a little bit. I only work 25 hours a week at my job. And so I'm, I'm supplementing that with poker, working about 25 hours a week at poker. And I don't, my goal is to eventually become what I would consider semi-professional where I derive half of my income from poker and half from seafood sales. It sounds like you're on the path to do that now. If you're able to put in is, is a hundred hours a month, is that sustainable or is that, is this kind of an anomaly? No, it's sustainable. That's probably as much as I'll ever be able to put in in a month. If I, if I keep my job, which I'm planning on. Um, but it's definitely not overworking myself if, if that's what you're wondering. Yeah. I mean, well, you're basically putting in the same amount of hours in each job right now. Yeah. But it equates to 50 hours a week and both which is of, a lot, which is a lot less than I work still. <laughs> yeah. No, it, if you're doing 200 hours in, in a month, that's, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, neither of my jobs feel like a job, which makes it a lot easier to, to, to work more hours than a 40 hour week. So yeah. I, I see it being very sustainable for me. I know. Yeah. And I, Jason's love doing, of man? poker. Study. Lots and lots of study. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. I probably not as much as I should. Um, but I am spending a couple hours a week, uh, going through videos and looking on the two plus two forums and stuff like that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I'm I do. I, I've wanted to ask you, like, uh, I haven't played with Mike at the table uh, cash games. Uh, I think we've been sat at a couple tournaments together, but um, what's he like day in and day out playing at his uh, local card room? Good question, Steve. <laughs> uh, he's just your typical bad reg, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mike is, uh, you know, he's got a, a an even keel about himself and He's a funny guy at the table. He's, you know, uh, very social, of course. Actually, it's a funny story. The, the first encounter that I had with Mike uh, at our local card room live in the 5-5 game, uh, we were involved in a hand where it had gotten to the turn card and I had a gut shot uh, straight draw. Mm -hmm. And I was first to act and I checked and Mike checked back and the river gave me the straight. Nice. Um, and I bet on... I bet big on the river. I think I overbet the pot and Mike called with two pair and I flipped over the straight and, and Mike was a little bit frustrated and got up from the table uh, and went outside and walked around for a bit. And one of the regulars at the table uh, suggested that I needle Mike when he came back in. <laughs> okay. This guy obviously knows Mike and knows that Mike can get a little hot sometimes. Anyway, he, uh, he, he actually offered to give you money to needle. Didn't he? And yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, you're like no, no, you're like no, no. I'm a principled man. I'll do it for free. That is exactly <laughs> what I said. <laughs> he offered me ten dollars, and I said I'll do it for free. Um, and so Mike came back in and sat down, and he was on my immediate left. So we were sitting right next to each other. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, if you had just bet the turn, Mike, I would have folded the hand. <laughs> and he looked over at me, one eyebrow raised, and said, "Do you want to go outside and talk about this some more?" <laughs> I don't think I don't think I said that, did I? And I, I, no, I said, no. I said, do you really want to discuss this hand? I, I think I said, <laughs> something, yeah, something, something like that, something around those. I eventually explained the joke to Mike, and uh, being a good sport, he laughed it off. <laughs> I forgot about that, man. Yeah, that was fucking funny. You know, honestly, I didn't even remember that was you. 
I remember the other guy, you know, doing it and, you know, who's just a man of mischief there. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm surprised you haven't seen any of my total, total meltdowns, I guess, but uh, I, I don't really have total meltdowns. So I just have periods of sustained frustration where I, I stop talking to people and just I'm pissed off. <laughs> yeah, I've, well, I've seen that, but I, I mean, I wouldn't consider it a meltdown or anything. It's just you, you quiet up a little bit and get focused on your game, which is a good thing to do. You know? Yeah, I, I probably exaggerate my lack of, uh, for, for comedic purposes on this show sometimes, my lack of, uh, I, I play good poker most of the time. Yep, I would agree with that completely. If, if he has, uh, like, one weakness that you can see as an outsider looking in, that uh, it looks like if he were to tighten up, his game would get even better. What would it be? I mean, Mike is an aggressive player. Sometimes he, uh, you know, if he's three betting a, a pot pre-flop and he wants to see bet, might just have ace king and it's kind of exploitable sometimes, I guess. But other than that, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, he's, he's a better player than I am. So it's hard for me to say that he has any, any leaks. What's it? What's his strongest uh, attribute? Uh, I think his meta game is pretty good. I, you know, I, I've noticed that sometimes he'll say certain things during a hand that might slow a player down or make him bet more. Uh, yeah, that's something that I've noticed. Okay. Okay. Kind of cajoling people into calling when they might otherwise fold stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. I I remember a hand where where he bet big on pre-flop and the flop came out and he said, Oh dear. And, and one of the players on his left looked at him and bet. And then it turned out that Mike had a, you know, a nut hand of some sort. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Well, you Jason are- definitely uh, just point, just the one thing where I, I, I know he's going to do well is uh, I've always said this is uh, the number one factor. If someone's going to succeed in poker is like, how much do they love the game? Really? Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause you're, you're going to, you're always going to get better if you really enjoy the game. Oh, and, and I go to the casino happy every time, you know, maybe, maybe not coming home happy every time, but yeah, I've, I've never really felt of going to play poker as, as a job or a grind or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I would agree. I, I do have a passion for the game. That's cool. That's cool. Right on. Well, you, uh, you have a couple of, a uh, couple of hands, right? Uh, Jason? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do have a couple, actually I have one really important one that I wanted to, to get your guys opinion on. This hand is actually from a couple of months ago, uh, at oceans and it was in one of those five, five, 10 games where the, the $10 straddle was mandatory almost. Okay. Uh, don't think Mike was in the game, but maybe, and okay, here we go. So, I have $1,400 in front of me and the villain in the hand has 1300. So 1300 effective stack. Okay. Uh, five, five. And with a 10 straddle under the gun plus two raises to $25 and mid position. The very next guy makes it 125 and he's the villain in the hand. This guy, I have a lot of history with. He, he likes to run over the table. He's a very aggressive player. He's probably one of the better 5-5 five, five players in, in the entire card room. Uh, Mike, you probably know him. He's, 
he's the reason the straddle is on. He's kind of the straddle captain. Gotcha. Um, okay, so he makes it 125. We're on the button with uh, pocket tens, ten of clubs, ten of spades. And I guess this is the first decision. I know this guy's a better player than I am, so I don't particularly like getting involved in post-flop play with him. So I'm wondering, should we just flat here or should we raise? Uh, you want to go first, Mike? Is it? Yeah, I don't know. He three bets really wide. So I would, I would call for him, you know, at least once a session um, some, as a bluff frequently. Okay. Pocket tens is always a tough one, man. I can't, I can't tell. Like, I'm like, is this guy great? Once I, I three bet in a guy and if a guy shoves, especially now that we have like an 800 cap game, I'm like, always, I'm like, am I supposed to call off with this hand against this guy who's probably reshoving with ace queen and, you know, um, obviously folding is the worst option. Yeah, definitely not, not in the plan to fold. Um, and I think four bet folding is bad too. I don't, the, the one thing is you said the, I'm sorry, the opening, the guy who opened was early position. So I don't necessarily, and he's got a bunch of people behind him. So he's probably not bluffing here as often as maybe our, your first instinct would be. So ten, pocket tens is ahead of his range, but he's not, he's probably got a pretty fairly strong range here. So I, I think you can flat. Okay. Uh, yeah, Steve, what do you think? I, I I like flatting too. With the with the stack size right here, he makes it one twenty five. We're playing thirteen hundred effective. Uh, that's essentially a tenth of his stack. Um, if we if we uh, four bet here, I guess you have to fold if he shows. But I don't know the way you guys are describing him. I think it's almost like a call off if uh, if he's going to be doing that with ace queen. So I'd rather just flat have position. Uh, I think it's unlikely that the uh, the blinds are going to come into a uh, three-bet pot like that. Um, and if you get uh, more action from UTG2, I don't think your hand's in good. Okay. Uh, yep, good, good analysis. Um, I did flat, and my reasoning was kind of what Mike said. Under the gun, two is an early position raiser. And so if this next guy makes it 125 in mid-position, he must have a strong hand because he wouldn't I don't think he would play a weak hand versus an early position raise. Right. Even from early position, if he's on the button, he will three bet pretty wide. But here with he's like I said, he's got a few people behind him too, which is also a factor. So you decided just to flat? I did. And so there's two hundred and ninety five on the flop. Okay, the wait, flop so it, so hang on. So you flatted the blinds they folded? The blinds folded. Blinds folded. And the straddle folded, so Straddle folded. And the original UTG? He folded as well. He folded as well. Okay, so we're heads up going to the flop. Heads up going to the flop, and the pot is 295. Flop comes out jack of hearts, ten of hearts, four of hearts. Oh, interesting. Okay, and and we have uh, – well, I guess it doesn't matter what tens we have. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, at this point, the suits don't matter for our hand. Um. Okay, so 295, mid-position makes it 125. Villain makes it 125 again. The same bet? Same bet. Uh, I mean, I'm... So that's, and that's less than half pot. Yeah. 
there's something to be said about when people like, you know, three bet pre-flop and then they make the same exact bet on the flop. You know, it just kind of feels like uh, um, I'm running through the Rolodex right now and it never really feels like a nutted hand, you know, it's kind of like a, um, I don't know how to describe it, like a feeler. Okay. Um, you know this guy, I don't. Yeah, he's um, he usually c bets pretty big, so that's why I'm. This one might be like I said, yeah, this might be a little pro bet to get off cheap. Um, I I can't tell. I, I'm I'm just uh, debating whether just to flat or to raise here. I'm not going to get too much out of. I don't necessarily. He c bets 100 percent of his range probably, so I don't know if we can't really narrow his range at this point by the size of his bet. Okay. He could have flopped the eight high flush. He could have two black threes. You know, I don't know. Um, the question is what we're going to do. So what would be the benefit of raising here? Would that be just to deny a flush draw equity? Yeah, if he's got ace queen with ace of hearts, you charge him for it. Um, if he has a, a set of fours, you charge him for it. If he's got uh, king queen with the king of hearts, you charge him for it. Um, Maybe, I don't know, if you raise here, is he ever calling with ace-jack, no heart? No. Probably no. not, right? Um, now, ace-heart, no, Basically, jack. yeah, we're not trying to protect our we're, – we're, I mean, yes, I guess we're protecting our hand, but we're also charging him to draw out on us. Yeah, and to get called by worse. Um, if, he has, if he has ace-of-hearts, jack-of-spades, is he calling this all-heart uh, flop if you raise him here? If he has jack of hearts, I'm sorry, what is it? Without a heart in his hand, it's hard for him to deal with a raise. We established he's folding ace-jack to a raise. Is he folding uh, ace-jack if he has the ace of hearts? So he's got the, uh, he's got the flush draw. No, he's, he's, he's reshoving and getting it in there probably. Hmm. Possibly just calling. I don't know. Definitely, definitely not folding. Um, uh, my, my first instinct was to raise, but I guess if you think he's only – I mean, obviously, you can't raise fold. Uh, my first instinct is to raise here. Like, he, he's got to pay a little more to see a turn card. Then if he re-raises, I, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm personally willing to get it in against this villain. But okay. um, even, in, even in the worst-case scenario, you're probably still 25%, hand, 25% to win the hand. But... Um, you would be a hey, if if he's shoving all queens, kings, and aces with it with a heart in his hand. Uh, I, I guess have you? What's your table image? Has this guy seen you bluff? I'm sure he has. If you played, you played a few hours with him. You like to bluff. Yeah, no, he he knows my style. Um, I, this is kind of early in this table, I think, but I we have a history together of many sessions. So, yeah, he knows I like to bluff. So. If I raised here, he could he could just call me if he has one heart. You know, you think he would shove if he had, uh, uh, like we're saying, the ace of hearts with a jack. Yeah, ace of hearts with a jack, queens with a heart. Is he shoving? I don't think he's shoving queens with a heart. Honestly. Kings with a heart. Yeah, because I might have ace, you know, ace king, or ace ten with with an ace of hearts or something like that. Okay. How about aces and Kings? Would he, would he shove those if you raised him? Uh, 
with and without a heart, maybe without he just flats with a heart. Would he shove those? Yeah, I think with a heart, definitely he would shove, but without he he probably just flats there. What do you yeah. think? Mike? Yeah, I'm liking a raise more and more. Um, yeah. Although again, this is like for me the way I've been playing the last few months. Last months is uh, I was kind of tr- talking about Steve. Uh, we had a very anomalous situation where this very rich man was playing there, playing very wild, and um, like against him especially because we, we became pretty deep stacked. I mean, it, I think on two different occasions, I had $10,000 on the table. Right. And I'm protecting myself against the six side flush in spots like these. I'm just ready to call down. First of all, cause he's very barely. So he could just keep calling around with crap, but um, there's much to be said here for just playing it, just playing it, uh, just calling here and avoid getting it all in unless you, you know, you know, you got the nuts. Okay. Well, let's, let's get to the skinny. I called here. Okay. Uh, and the turn brought what, in. What was, what was your thought process for calling there? Um, you know, I, I didn't want to blow him off the hand if he had, you know, ace jack or something without a heart. That makes sense. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you know, maybe he somehow luckily had two hearts in the hand and I, I didn't want to get in an all in situation. I wasn't going to be able to fold if I raised and he went all in. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so I called now there's 545 in the pot and the turn brings another heart, the two of hearts. Not so now there's four card. hearts on the board, 10 Jack four, two. Okay. And the villain checks. All right. Um, I don't. I don't see any reason to bet here. Do you, Mikey? Um, I think it might be a good idea to, to turn this hand into a bluff. Yeah, I kind of do. I kind of like. Really? That. Why is I that? Think, well, I don't think he ever has the ace or king of hearts here. I think he bets. Okay. For value, and if he bets the king of hearts and you you raise or shove, he can get away with way way get away from it easy. What about him knowing that I like to bluff a lot? Would he have the ace of hearts and give me the opportunity to bet here? Um, yeah, I, I guess it depends depends on how he views you and the history. I mean, like I said, most casual amateur players, if, if, depending on how you see, they're calling they're they're calling too much. They're not bluffing too much is the problem. You know, it depends on what. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But then if, if you get raised here, it's an easy fold. Um, right. And if you, like I said, he's not. He's not. I'm sorry. I think my cleaning lady's here. I'm going to have to let her in and close the door in a minute. Okay. Um, I, I, my first instinct was turn it into a bluff here. Because a lot of times, first of all, it's a give up on his part. Um, a lot of times, so you can just bet and take it down, which is, I guess, fine. And he won't see your hand on the river. Um, but just in case he's got like pocket nines with the nine of hearts, you bet here. It's pretty hard for him to. Uh, he's gonna fold, even even if you're. Yeah, I, I think you're only. I think that's the benefit of the hand. I, I don't know. I, I I I this one might be a flopzilla question here. How many how many hearts are you getting him to fold? Well, that's right. interesting. How, okay, how often so- does he have that? Yeah, because uh, the ace or king of hearts, that's two of them. The queen of hearts is is the third one that uh, could be in his range. But after that, the jack and the ten are accounted for. So, like, is he really three betting there with, like, some nine heart in there? Or it's... I 
nines I, would make sense. The, the, yeah, I, I'm just thinking if I would, if I were the villain here and I had pocket nines with a heart, now I would be turning my hand into a bluff, trying to blow you off, queen, uh, jack, ten x. I'm always. I don't know if this expression should be going across people's minds really at five five. This is where I level myself a lot. Where I'm going to turn my hand into a bluff now. So I'm going to get the villain to, sh- to fold the queen of hearts. Where so there's so there's much to be said. Where you you still have the hand the best hand here. What ninety percent of the time we think or well no not that high but pretty high. Um, just check behind and if uh, see what he does in the river. Okay, well that is what I did. I checked behind, and so there's still five hundred and forty five in the pot, and the river brings a two of spades, which fills up the boat for me. Okay, pretty card. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was, you know, at this point really hoping that the villain had a heart of any kind and, and that I would get paid off big. Uh, he checks again on the river, though. So what are we trying to get called by here? Um, Which, this villain, he probably, uh, I mean, again, there's, just because someone's aggressive and playing three-betting a lot, um, you know, doesn't mean they're trying to win every pot. Like, this might be just be a give-up on his part. He might have ace king of spades here, and just after the flop was just like I ain't putting another dollar in. But um, so when we range him, a lot of times if people check a couple streets, the aggressive player we think he has a value hand that he's just pot controlling. Okay. I mean, if we're talking about targeting value here, yes. Um, if we think he's got more, like then we should probably be going for thin value, right? If we think we're getting paid. Um. Or you know we could, we could try to level them a bet really small. I would tell me what you think of this, Mikey. I was thinking of betting exactly one twenty five again. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, you know, the rule I always think of that that Alex told me: you just don't get that many nutty hands. You just have to try to get all your chips in when it happens and get as much value as possible. So just hope this guy just checked the ace of hearts twice or something, or. No, I'm just no. I'm saying hope he calls with just the queen of hearts with pocket with pocket queens with the queen of hearts and heroes, which is uh, I, don't even, I don't even know okay. that's a call. So that I was going to say, um, just make it three fifty or four hundred and hope he's got that yeah, hand. And, well, yeah, and, even and even Jason's bluffing this time. Yeah, even pot it because okay. because it, right now he, it's hard for him to put you on. Your, the strength of your hand, I think, might be a little bit disguised because a lot of times if you've got the ace or the king of hearts, you're betting the turn. Okay, i got to run real quick here. Sorry. So I, I kind of like, in, in retrospect, what you were saying, Steve, about maybe betting really small and just you know trying to get a little extra value out of the hand and hope that you know he's got the queen of hearts, something like that. Well, I was hoping that he had something like Mike was saying, like uh, uh, nothing, ace high with no heart. And that he interprets this little tiny, it's almost an insulting bet, you know, because like he well, raised- you did this twice to me and now I'm going to do it to you kind of thing. Yeah. He bet 125 on the flop and then now you're betting the same amount on, on the river. It's, it's like this little, your hand does not look strong when you do that. And you describe him as aggressive. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe this gets him to uh, just. I, I think your whole trying to, uh, that kind of small thing. I mean, this is kind of like a tournament player to level the guy. Okay. You know what I mean? Like in cash, I think the bigger question is just, you know, what can I get paid with here? Yeah, you're probably right. And, but just quickly, yeah, I'm just trying to think if the over, 
Yeah, I was just going to say Jason's like if Jason has a flush on the turn, the villain thinks he's always betting it. So okay, why if you bomb it on the river here, like if you got a if you have a set on the flop, he's going to be raising it a lot, and it's it just it would be hard to put you on a hand here where um, if you bet big on the river. Okay, uh, I'm saying you might you might get called by just a so-so heart. Yeah, if like you think you got a pocket eights with eight heart or something. I always lean towards big sizing. Well, tell me what you guys think of this. My my thinking here was we both checked the turn. I didn't raise him on the flop, and he and he checks again on the river. Maybe I should make it look like all right. I'm going to buy this pot. I'm going to jam here, and you know, just make it look like if you're not if you're not willing to put money and I'm just going to buy the pot with a mediocre hand. Yeah. I kind of, I like that. I've definitely done that. Yeah. I don't um, I was thinking over about the pot, pot, right? There's like, he's got like one K behind something like that. Right. Right. And there's only five forty-five in there. Yeah. I don't mind. I mean, I don't think you could call very often, but when you do, it'll probably make up for uh, the times that you don't. Yeah. Well, the, the one guy, uh, Jason, who used to be there, who used to play, play all the time there, but was um, kicked out for not paying a guy off. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, basically, he would just, yeah, he, he would shove in spots like this quite frequently. I mean, he was, he was known for like that, where he would be like, he once shoved like 2,000 to like a $150 pot in the river because he hit Broadway. And maybe the guy paid him off because he thought he was just being... The other, well, the other guy was being cute and slow playing two pair. Oh. So he was just taking a shot rather than, okay, I'm going to, rather than trying to get called by for 50 bucks by this guy's second pair. Maybe okay. I run into the, maybe I'll get lucky and I run into like the top of his range and he just refuses to. So it's worth, it's, it's sort of worth the risk there. Yeah, I think so. Winning, I mean, winning, winning $2,000, 10% of the time or 5% of the time or, you know, 5% of the time is much more valuable than winning 50 bucks, 80% of the time. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so that's what I did. And the villain thought about it for quite a while, actually. Somebody called time on him, and he uh, eventually folded the hand. Okay. okay. So I, I jammed River, hoping that, you know, that I ran into the top of his range, and he had some sort of heart and was willing to pay me off. But uh, even if he did, he folded. Yeah. I, when uh, in doubt, probably, I have my little notes uh, I, I'm not someone who, who logs hands and studies and stuff. But what I, I have little notes on my phone, which I look at. And like, one of them is like, I think at the very top and like, comps, you know, it's like, do not pay them off. Do not hero call. is what I <laughs> So this would probably, he was thinking of heroing you and uh, probably decided against it because it, it's annoying to have to fold the best. It's annoying playing against casual players who are, who can do this kind of shit that you're doing here, possibly with a bluff. You don't know. But, um, yeah, he made the right fold. If he had the king of hearts or something, I think he made the right fold. Yep. I mean, we know we, we, know we made the right fold because what you had. I'm just saying against your range. But I, I like it, man. I like a lot. I was going to say overbit the pot. I didn't stop to ask. I guess you only had – there was like 600 in the pot, and you had just probably – this guy only had like 800 left or something? Uh, or more, more than that, yeah. No, he had 1,000 left. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it would have been a big call. So, yeah, maybe sexy think- move. Sexy move. I like it. Have you? I'm sure you've done. Well, I saw you do it the one hand, and I remember like thinking like uh, you were. I knew what you were up to. There was one hand where there was three aces on board. Okay. This, 
and you tried to make, you were hoping the guy had like tens or jacks. You did not have the jackpot because your kicker was shitty. You had an ace, you had quads. Oh, I remember the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, there's like a hundred in the pot and you bet like 600 on the river or something. <laughs> and I remember if I actually had tens or jacks in a spot like that, I'd be really pissed if I called and you didn't have it. You know what I mean? But of course. obviously you're playing it right. I mean, you know what I mean? The guy for the possibility of $8,000, the guy's getting such a good price on his He's money. Got to. Yeah. But the guy actually did fold, but I don't think he, he did not have a jackpot hand. I'm pretty sure. No. He, yeah, fold, he folded very quickly. If you do that shit to me, I'll tell you honestly, I'll probably fold Jack's face up. No. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then the guy who makes the bet will feel like a fucking idiot. Hopefully. Oh dear. Who's trying to be smart. Um, I mean, if you had the jet, I mean, like I said, but I, I would think anyone at a jackpot would never do that. So I would be able to fold Jack's there and be, eh. I don't yeah. know if you, didn't, so if, had, if you didn't know the guy. I had ace four, ace five, I think. So no way it was going to be a jackpot. Right. No, you, you had to go. But I remember you overbit the pot pretty semi-significantly, if I, if I recall properly. That move seems to work against people that you haven't played much with, the, the overbetting the pot, because I, I think they feel more often that it's a steal rather than, a, than you trying to get max value. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I probably should do that. I, I do it in tournaments quite a bit, and I think pretty in really good spots and very fit. But I don't really um, do it nearly as much in cash. Actually, you know, I did it in the cash game last night. Now that I think about it, there's about there's about 200 in the pot in the river, and I bet 300 with nothing. And the other guy is super sticky. Um, but, uh, I, I have a long history with him. Like, basically, he was, he was going to put me on a hand, so it was a good spot for it, but. Uh, I I love it. I like the I like the play. I like your thinking. Yeah, yeah I like this hand because so there's long. a decision on every street basically. So that's that's the reason that I wanted to go over that one. Uh, and again, yeah, the overall flow of the game. Now you're like somebody. Maybe people don't. Now you get. Now you have to know your your table image. You know what yeah. I mean. You can you can maybe if if you're a guy who's willing to play for stacks all the time and possibly obviously the fact that this guy tanked makes you know you like the move because you probably almost got called. Yeah. Right. Especially a, a like a three minute, four minute tank, however long he was thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah. do you guys have any hands that you want to discuss? Uh, I don't. Do you, Mikey? Um, uh, I don't. I kind of have to leave. Actually, I'm sorry because uh, I should I should have said it right away. The uh, the cleaning ladies are are here. Okay. Um, I would just yeah like to so what where are we uh you're just gonna play more more poker, Jason? I guess right. I mean, how do you what do you want to do to uh, increase that win rate? I don't know if you have a target dollars amount or. Well, actually uh, that was something I was going to ask you guys about. I, I know that you listen to Elliot Rowe a lot and then that you guys are also subscribed to tournament poker edge and I'm a po uh, tournament player as well. I'm actually going out to Vegas in a couple of weeks for the Bellagio five diamond classic WPT event. I'm not buying into the main, but I'm going to try to satellite in to get in. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to hear what you guys had to say about about maybe subscriptions to either of those guys. I would. Have you tried Elliot Rowe yet? I I listened to the Tilt Buster, the one you always talk about. Nice. Um, but other than that, no. Okay. Um, do you feel like how how do you do it? Do you do it in your car before you go into the casino? What uh, what do you do? Yeah, I've got my headphones. I just pop them in right before I go in. It's uh, you know, it's soothing. It's nice. Um, but but what else do they have to offer? I, I would get um, 
if you go to his website, you can click through the, the links that will be in the show notes. And um, you play cash. So I would get, uh, he's got like the cash, um, uh, you know, his cash game ones. He's got three of them. Um, and then he's also got some live tournament ones. So it doesn't sound like you're really playing online. Um, no. Go with those. And, you know, you can, you can shoot around there. He's got other ones on bankroll management. Doesn't really sound like you have uh, um, anything with that. Um, you know, study boosters, whatever you want. I just listen to him about uh, probably once a day. Um, and um, I always take a nap right after lunch. And that's when I listen to one. So it just kind of becomes this subconscious like programming that will never hurt your poker game and only make it better, you know? Um, and if you do this every single time before you play, it naturally creates this good warm-up routine for getting in and playing cards. It, I, I just find myself so much more focused uh, after I listen to them. So, yeah, I was a I was an athlete growing up. I did a lot of sports, and then I would always have a, a warm-up routine, kind of a pregame mental game to get myself in the mood to to do my to do whatever I was doing. You know, running exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing, dude. Except this is a game of mental. And, uh, you know, football, they do a stretching and a warm-up routine. Here we do one for our brain, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I would kind of – Tournament Poker Edge is a great resource for tournaments, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to get you down on tournaments because there's fun. And, like, this is <laughs> – I'm on basically, like, a massive downswing with tournaments. In live poker, I'm down, like – live tournaments I'm down over 60k and I'm down 30 I've had a 30k downswing uh online the last six months so Jeez. and it is kind of a different skill set so you've kind of you become a winning player um in live cash I would think that would be your focus and uh yeah of course push your most energy in there not that you can't study tournaments and all that kind of stuff I think you kind of already know that uh you know make the tournaments fun it, but you do have a style which like I said at the cash table you're tough because um, I, I don't know how much of it's just an image you try to, you look like a guy who's willing to play for his stack at any time. Yeah. I mean, and, and those are, those are the guys who just terrify people at poker tournaments. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where um, you just might have to call off your stack with one pair kind of shit. So uh, yeah, there's much about your game. I think would transition well to, to poker tournaments for sure. Well, I mean, you've already had some success doing that. So you know that. Yeah, yep, of course. Well, no, just got to know it isn't the uh, – there's variance. Of course, you can deal with variance cause more than I can because you've got a good job. Yeah, it's – well, obviously, cash is the, uh, the hourly, and poker is kind of like just going and having a fun time and, you know, hoping you, you strike gold. Right. Yeah, you basically, sure. probably, you know, you're at a 20-buck-an-hour player working 100 hours uh, a month. You know, a bad month for you should, should be at most like losing – one or two thousand where you're yeah. gonna have you're gonna be winning and especially you know you get better you're gonna have you know four and five k months but uh yeah with tournaments regardless of how much you study and all that it's you know it, it can get ugly pretty fast you just yep, got the bankroll bro it's no different than stocks or anything else like you just every tournament don't make it more than one or two percent of your bankroll and then the outcome doesn't matter you know? Fuck your 1%, Steve. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> the man just the man just told him about like taking it, just playing, just ripping his nuts out and playing ten twenty five. You know what I'm saying? Like that's <laughs> the, the just, most important part. He just sat down at ten twenty five, Steve, and played against the best players in the West of Vegas, and uh, was a winner. So you know. Yeah. yeah, I attribute that mostly to to getting hit in the face with good cards. But <laughs> yeah, if, especially with tournaments. I mean, like if you you know that way, the outcome doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if they if they get lucky and they hit their uh, they hit their flush or their gut shot or the straight or whatever it is. Because all right, whatever. Next. Yeah, that's the old uh, risk of ruin calculation. You never want to yes. you never want to mess with more than two percent of your roll. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wait, you not right now, Jason. Can I get another free lunch off you? I'm I'm he- I'm heading over there after this. <laughs> yeah, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'll I'll walk over there right now. <laughs> wow, that's pretty funny. We live we live like a block away from each other. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we went to lunch once, so it's pretty funny. Right oh, and before we sign off, Steve, I, I had a question for you. Um I I'm not sure exactly which fire department you work in, but uh, do you know a Kurt Basmer? Kurt Basmer. He's a he was a fire captain or fire chief, maybe up in the Ventura area, uh, less than ten years ago. Damn it! I was hoping you'd say he's a gay porn star with a thing for firemen. <laughs> Could be that too. <laughs> no, I do not. Okay, yeah, just curious. He he actually got me interested. I took a a couple of firefighting classes okay. last year. I was really thinking about it, and uh, my wife told me don't do it. So. So I had to it's, listen, and, and I, I didn't continue well, education. It may not be the best for a fit. Do you guys have kids? I don't have kids yet. You want some, though? Yes. Eh, the schedule's pretty rough, you know? I mean, on a family, it, uh, it may be for the best thing. It's a pretty dangerous job. Um, it, um, I don't know, but it's really, really exciting. It's a yeah, lot so I've... You know, it's always something that's kind of intrigued me, but I never knew if I would be any good at it. I, I took three or four classes and I got an A in all of them, but they're pretty easy classes. So Most of them are. Yeah, they, it, the fire classes are notorious for the teacher reviewing the test before the end of the, before the, end of the class and stomping exactly. or, or snapping his fingers when there might be a test question or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, the, the main obstacle in it is, you know, there's going to be 5,000 people putting in an application and there'll be four jobs and that's it. You basically just have to keep getting certs and keep volunteering and building up, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of hours of volunteer experience that the other guys don't have. And you'll slowly work your way up to the top few percent. And then your skills come in, in the interview. That's the game. Well, that shows that you must have some dedication to what you do. That's a good thing. There's not a single professional fireman that doesn't think exactly the same way. That's, <laughs> we just never gave up. That's it. it uh, you just keep going and going and going, just like you're doing with poker. You know? Nice. It, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would recommend the career. It, you do give up a lot. You know, we, on average, die about a decade sooner than the general population. Um, divorce rates are very high. We're gone a lot. Um, cancer is extremely pop, uh, um, popular, but the, it's, it's very uh, prominent in the fire service just because you're breathing a lot of smoke that shit gets on your skin, absorbs in, you're out in the sun Steve, a lot. Steve, you forget that Jason's listening to the podcast. You spend half the year in fucking Tahiti and Vegas. That's, 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 <laughs> where, that's where you're taken. You know, you give a lot, but, uh, you know, oh, okay. I, mean, I work a shit ton and, and then I also, uh, 
you know, I'll be going on vacation again soon for a month and a half to somewhere. <laughs> I'll be in Vegas for a week and a half here and in, in a couple of weeks. It, you know, it allows you that as well. You know, so you can stack your time. It would be like working for the fish company saying, okay, I'm working 25 hours a week this week and 25 the next and 25 after that. You go, you know what? F it. I'm just going to work 200 hours this month and then just, exactly. It's the same thing. You have to work 120 days a year and you could stack all those up in the beginning and then be off the rest of the time or you could spread it out or you could actually work the schedule or, you know, it's very, very flexible at time. Well, that was both the thing that got me interested and disinterested. I, I'm a lazy motherfucking poker player, so I don't think there was anyone else going to be able to. The funny thing is, Steve, I really hope you don't get you don't get injured at the at the fire department, just because I will. I've made all the jokes about what a bunch of lazy bastards, and then one day, like Steve's going to be like, you know, major skin grafts, well, you know, just horrible <laughs> injury, and I'm going to be like, wow, this job's dangerous. I fell through a roof and then ran out in the street and got hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jace, just let, let's just hope he he uses uh, Heads Up Poker Podcast as his only poker resource because then we we know he won't become too good at poker. That's true. Because I, I I don't I I like him as a as a winning player who's having fun. I, if he becomes a you know sixty dollar an hour crusher there, because that just there's just not a, enough dead money in that place, man. Yeah, then you might have to move. Uh... I have to move to Los Angeles. I'll be moving to San Jose, and yeah, you can you'll be taking my seat at the table. Exactly. <laughs> well, we'll have to all hang out when Stevie comes down here for a visit soon. Yes, yes, sounds I'll good. I'm Vegas, sure both of you. Uh, December, I'll be out in Vegas. December, I think, 16 through like 22nd. So. Oh, that's no. funny. I'm leaving on the 14th, coming yeah. back home. I'm just gonna miss you then. All right. Yeah. Well, Next time, if any of you listening uh, want to meet me out in Vegas, I'll be out there then. Uh, I'll probably meet up with Mac. I was supposed to the last time I was out there, and it just didn't work out. But uh, thank you for coming on, Jason. This was fun. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for having me, and uh, and thanks, Mike, for getting the ball rolling on this. I I really enjoyed it. Right on. And I'll see you in a few minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. Why is it so important to get up early? Some of y'all don't want it. That's why you ain't got it. I don't sleep when I'm tired. I sleep when I'm done. The average millionaire wakes up at 4 a.m. So it started off 4 o'clock in the morning where I'd start and I'd start with my cardio, then I'd have breakfast, and then I would go to the gym, and then I'd go to work. Some of y'all have no idea what 4 a.m. looks like. Why would you not wake up at 4.30? Because you're too busy sleeping in. I'm pretty sure I wake up earlier than all of you. We don't sleep when we're tired. We sleep when we are... (laughs) Too busy hitting the snooze button multiple times. Excuses sound best to the person that's making them up. And if we can really be honest, Some of y'all don't even go to bed until about 4 a.m. If you can get up before the rest of the world is awake, right? Before the enemy's awake, you can get so much done. You're so much more productive. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Wake your ass up. And then they ask me, well, why are you up so early? (laughs) Take responsibility to make your life happen. Awaken the beast inside. Wake up at 4 a.m. 
So I begin to tell myself, there must be a reason. When you have something to do, when you have someone to love, when you have something to look forward to, when you get up in the morning, see people who have something to look forward to don't need an alarm clock because they have a reason for being.